today. Someone who does not need help with this game is the story of this week and maybe of 2024. Of course, history made on Sunday as the Alabama sophomore Nick Dunlap took down some of the best players in the world to become the first amateur to win on the PJ Tour since 1991. With the win, Dunlap also became the second youngest winner on tour since World War II. But the question is, should he turn pro? Have you made a decision on you have PGA Tour membership if you want it now, or is that something you need to take more time to think about? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, I, I have no idea. I really don't. Um, it's really cool to, to have that opportunity in the first place. Um, and, you know, starting the week, if, if you would have said, hey, in five days, you're going to have a PGA Tour card or an, an opportunity for two years. Um, I'd have looked at you sideways. Um, but, uh, but no, that's a, you know, something that it doesn't just affect me. It, it affects a lot of people and, um, and, you know, and coach back there and, and my teammates. And um, it's a conversation I need to have with a lot of people before I make that decision. Now, Nick withdrew Monday from the Farmers Insurance Open less than a day after becoming the PGA Tour's latest history-making sensation. He said in a statement released by the PGA Tour, quote, after a life-changing last 24 hours, I've decided to withdraw from the Farmers Insurance Open. I plan to return home to Alabama to be with family, friends, and teammates. Thank you to Farmers Insurance and American Express for giving me these opportunities. Right now, we want to bring in his coach from Alabama, Jay Sewell. Jay, you were there on Sunday. You saw this historic victory. What were your immediate impressions as you were waiting for him behind that 18th green? Uh, jubilation, pure joy. <laughs> um, so excited. Uh, I mean, that's a historic day. You know, I think it was the single best um, or biggest accomplishment by an individual it, it, you know, at Alabama golf and, um, while they've been in school. Um, USAMs are incredible. We've had two with Jerry Pate and Nick, of course, this last, you know, last fall. Um, but to do, this was historic. Um, it's life-changing. He's not wrong in that. And it's changed a lot of our lives quickly. Um, and so, but it, that being said, I've known him since he was 10 years old. I knew that this was his dream since I've known him. He's always dreamed this. It's a great part about being a college coach. You you get a chance to come alongside and help them try to get to a place where they can achieve achieve their dreams. But he did it while he was here. That's awesome. So I was just so excited. I couldn't, you know, unfortunately, there's some reaction video out there, which just showed you how I really felt. Um, and I just truly was so excited for him and um, I couldn't wait to hug his neck. Jay, the golf world was stunned. Were you? No. Um, not, not even in the least. Uh, I didn't, you know, he's playing against the best players in the world and someone I'm very close to also in Justin, who is a world-class player and, and, you know, and Sam, these are Ryder Cuppers. And so I wasn't, I, I didn't go, oh, he's going to win. I'm not silly. Our game is, is very hard and great players play great. And, you know, uh, but I, what I knew he wouldn't be, he would, I didn't think he would shrink. I knew that, um, would he make enough putts or would he make enough decisions? Would he have enough, uh, uh, of, of the experiences of his own golf to be able to handle all the situations in front of him and to win. Um, I knew he wouldn't fall away though. And so I was not surprised um, uh, because in the end, 
I think we got to see the character of who we all knew he was behind the scenes, and that's why he's a champion. And I think he can be a historic down the road. Um, he's done that his whole life. And so, you know, it was an incredible day, but I was never shocked that he won. Coach, we talked about this a lot yesterday after this historic victory, and you've done this a long time, and we sort of batted back and forth. Why are college players so much better prepared now to have success, immediate success, on the PGA Tour than maybe 10 years ago? Wow. Uh, I think that's a great question, but you're right. They are, um, you know, you look and forgive me, my Southern accent, you know, with a Berg, you know, Lugby Egberg out of um, Texas Tech, you know, he graduated in May and then he played in the Ryder Cup and won a PGA Tour event. There are a lot of great college players. The line between college and pro is thinnest it's ever been. Gordon Sargent, another name, you know, Caleb Surratt, you know, who's moved on to another tour. But that being said, these are guys that can play at the highest level. You know, what is why? I think the the biggest reason why I've thought through that is, first, I think the facilities that are in college are as good, if, if not better, than anywhere anybody can practice. So that, I think they're getting a chance to to practice. They're competing, get, uh, competing against each other all the time, which is another way. Second, I think it's importantly, though, and I think we always need to go back to this, Tiger brought in a different guy, meaning – you know, an athlete, you know, Dunlap could play baseball or any sport here from an athleticism and body if he would have trained that way, you know, for the last 10 years. He trained in golf, but uh, he's an athlete that we maybe didn't have in golf 20 years ago. Um, and so I, I just think that there are better athletes. And so the, the better athletes you are, the better player you can be. And um, I just think that's one of the main reasons. Gordon Sargent, I mean, that guy is, is a big stud, too, how he is as athleticism. And college is full of those kind of guys now. And so I think there's a lot of reasons, you know, good teaching, good equipment. Um, but the biggest thing is I think we're bringing in different guys who played the game than when I played. I'm the, the only sport I could play it was golf. That's why I went towards it. Now there are a lot of options for these kids, and, and they're gravitating to golf now. Well, speaking of different sports, it was a pretty cool moment on Sunday. Steve Rakowski interviewed you, and then Nick Saban, the erstwhile football coach at Bama, called into the broadcast. I don't remember golfers and football players being close, at least when I was in school. How would you describe the relationship that you've had with Nick Saban and kind of how that has kind of transcended the sport and kind of lifted the whole campus? Yeah, Coach is amazing. He loves this game. He would be on that range right now at Orange County National hitting every club. He loves golf. And, you know, we've had a relationship over the last 17 years because of that. I think that's what makes golf great. It, it um, allows you to, 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 to build relationships. And in the spring, he would always start coming out here and hitting balls. You know, that's why his relationship with Justin is so so large in, in, in all of our players. So he's hitting right beside them. He's chipping. He's asking them questions. And uh, our guys aren't intimidated now when he comes out here. The first time they are, I'm like, <laughs> freshman, he's Coach Saban's coming out. Keep your phone in your pocket. Just relax. He's part of the team. <laughs> and uh, so Coach loves young people. He loves people who are driven to be great. And, you know, and he and Nick have, have created a relationship last year. He fired me as his putting coach, which he should because he puts terrible. And so I hired, allowed him to hire um, uh, Nick Dunlap for free because that's what he charges. Is um, And so uh, Dunlap started helping me with his putting, and he's his putting instructor. And so I think it's pretty cool that, that, that Coach is that vulnerable to be around people, and, the, and I think it's what makes golf great. He knows our players, and he, he, was, he called Nick after the round, just wanted to tell him congrats because there is a relationship already in play.
Coach, I think you just heard the sound from Nick on Sunday being asked about the options that he has in front of him right now to turn pro, to stay an amateur. I don't want to get too personal here, but you're clearly going to be a part of that decision. What do you think is going to factor into which way Nick goes? Well, the way I've looked at it is he's already a pro going to be a professional. He, he's not you know, going to turn pro and hope to get a card. He's got a card. He's part of the PGA Tour. It's just a matter of when he wants to to use that option. Is that an immediacy? Is that a week, a month, um, or four months? Um, and, and so I think those are the conversations I want to have with him. Uh, and I think the most important part, I think his success in, uh, is because in the atmosphere of our program in college golf at Alabama, for him, it was secure, it was stable, and it allowed him to grow as a player. I think the biggest thing is, is when we talk is what will the net when you turn how do you create that and so how long does that take to create where you have a secure environment around you if you can do that in a 10 days then 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 it's 10 days if it's three months then it's three months but the, he's already got a tour card we're proud of that and so he's going to be on the pga tour it's just a matter of when it's the most it's the best option for him and we'll walk through that with his family and, and him today and we'll have a lot of meetings which are exciting as a coach um you know i'm thankful that he's entrusted a lot of that with me um i love him to death our teammates do and you know there is a purity about college golf though if you saw the college golf band uh, you know our guys love each other and so there is a purity about it um but i'm also smart enough to know that there's a big world out there waiting for all of our guys it's just a matter of when and w when is nick's win we'll find that out very shortly Jay, is there any sense of urgency, though, for him to do it now, if only because the signature events that are available to him now, the fact that his name is in headlines from, from Golf Digest to Golf Channel to the New York Times, that he should strike while the iron is hot? Well, that's the temptation. Um, and, and so, you know, it's funny, as I'm, I'm now dove in to PGA Tour and all the rules and all the tournaments and elevation and you know, I'm just a college golf coach, and, and so now I know the tour and all. And, I, I, you know, what we try to tell our players every day, we start at zero, and I think you have to be comfortable. You know, don't turn pro or don't do this because you have to. Do it because you want to. Um, and so I think Nick actually, what I'm going to tell him is he has all the cards. This is his decision. Don't, you know, elevated is elevated. I get it. When are you going to be successful? Because that's the most important you know, he, I don't think he's a 15 minutes of fame kind of kid. I think he's iconic. I think he's historic. And I think his name will be, you know, I think he has an opportunity to be something large in this game for many, many, many years. Don't allow the quickness or the temptations of this decision to get in the way of that. Um, don't make, you know, we always said it with NIL, don't make $15,000 decisions that will get in the way of million-dollar decisions. Well, don't make hundreds of thousands or a, a million dollar decision will get in the way of a $50 million decision. And so we're going to sit down and find out what is best. And when he's comfortable, I'm going to just hear his voice when he's comfortable. And then I'm going to give him my support, whatever that is. Coach, regardless of what way Nick goes on his decision to turn pro now, or maybe wait a little while, what kind of impact will his victory have on your program, considering how historic that was? Uh, I think for a long time. Um, I, I, I think it was a, this wasn't a golf story. I think it was a sports story. Um, and as you said, there are so many people who've reached out. I mean, uh, from news organizations, forget sports organizations. Um, 
I think uh, we're all desperate for good stories. Um, we, you know, the world is a very crass place right now, and golf um, needed a boost. This is an incredibly great game with great players playing. But I think the business side of golf right now has been the, it's been the talk and not the golf. Um, I think that's what made Sunday so special. I think it shows you the desperate what people really want. They just want a purity. They want, you know, not purity, you know, but just the game. And I think uh, this will go on for, you know, 30 years, you know, well after I'm out of here, this is going to be something that's going to hang, you know, in a, in a, in a team room, what Nick Dunlap did. And, you know, 20 years from now, another kid's going to look up and say, wow, that's a big deal because it is something that doesn't happen. Uh, it, it, it's not a, something that happens every day or in every year where a USAM does winning a professional event as a 20 year old kid. I don't matter if that's a pro or a amateur is a big deal. Now you add amateur to that. Um, I think is, um, iconic and historic and I'm proud for him and our program too. We're going to celebrate it for a long time because it was a really cool thing. As you should, a moment that will surely help recruiting. And I hope we don't run out of milkshakes at this pace. Jay, thanks so much for the time. We'll speak to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Continuing on golf today, the Farmers Insurance Open is the fourth event of the 2024 PGA Tour season and third full field event. It's contested Wednesday through Saturday at Torrey Pines' North and South courses. It is one of four official PGA Tour events that is played across multiple courses. In the Farmers Insurance Open, these are some notable players with California ties. Here you see Charlie Hoffman, born and raised in San Diego, who went to Poway High School, just really about 20 minutes inland in Torrey Pines. We spoke with him yesterday. The defending champion Max Homa from Burbank, just up the road. Colin Morikawa from Los Angeles. And Xander Schauffele, who was born and raised in La Jolla. But you know what? None of them are as famous as Mr. San Diego. We want to welcome in Todd Leonard, editor with Golf Digest magazine. Uh, Todd, I, I, a lot of things I want to cover right now, but we just sort of touched on the news that Farmers Insurance is stepping down as a sponsor. This event is part of the fabric of the PGA Tour. What does this mean about the future of this event? I think it's interesting, Rex, and, and obviously so much depends on what's going to happen in the next few months with the PIF and everything else. But it's an interesting time for the tournament because Farmers really has been a great partner to them for 15 years. Um, and they've just been such a solid partner. They, they could get so much from Farmers, including uh, the, the way they've supported the APGA, the minority tour. Um, so this is going to be a big change for them because 
farmers has been such a key part of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see going forward whether um, they can find the, the sponsor that most suits them. But farmers is just not in a position anymore to um, be interested in golf from what it sounds like. From your discussions and reporting, what is going to happen to the APGA Farmers Insurance Invitational? Is it in jeopardy of perhaps disappearing from the calendar? I'm concerned about it, Damon, because Farmers has been the critical sponsor for uh, the APGA. They've hosted their fall series. They've held this event. Um, so uh, the APGA is going to have a new CEO starting this year. So he's got some work to do to maybe replace farmers because I just don't know if farmers leaves this event that it's going to be interested in still being associated with the APGA. Todd, this is also new. You brought up the idea of how the signature events play out on the PGA Tour, but we've already had two signature events. If you look at they're kind of wedged in between, I'm sorry, one signature event, and it's wedged in between Pebble Beach and the Genesis in just a few weeks. Where does that leave Torrey Pines as far as the schedule goes? This used to be where most of the top players started their year. That's really not the case anymore. It's true. We've seen a major change in the fields, I think, in the last few years. Obviously, Tiger not being here, Phil not being here has been, you know, a blow to the tournament from that standpoint. But then you see, you know, Justin Thomas get enough – points last week to be comfortable for pebble and he withdraws um so i think the schedule is becoming more difficult for the tournament i also think the conditions are an issue for the tournament because it essentially plays like a mini us open course and i think there are some guys who like that challenge guys like max homa and there are other people who want no part of a us open setup in early January, you know? So um, I think it's problematic for them uh, from the standpoint of trying to attract the game's top players. I guess the other question becomes, is that the most important things for tournaments these days? You know, I hear from Marty Gorsuch, the tournament director here that, you know, he's far more interested in putting people in skyboxes um, than, than he is in, um, getting the top players in the world. And I, that's not a knock on him, but I think that's the nature of the tour now is um, if they can get people in skyboxes, having a great time, and maybe watching a little golf, that's okay. Todd, you mentioned no Tiger, no Phil. I mean, this is a U.S. Open venue as well. Tiger v. Rocco, John Rahm, the old Andy Williams. Is there a scenario in your mind with farmers leaving that the PGA Tour event itself is in jeopardy and that there is a potential in the future that there wouldn't be a tour stop in a city that for a time had a couple of them, if you include the match play. Yeah, no, it's it's a stunning thought, and, and I've had it, believe me, and I, I don't have any indication to think now that that could possibly happen, that Tory would fall off the map. I mean, when we look at all the struggles that the now American Express went through and the Bob Hope um, this tournament has nearly as much history or more history, really, than that tournament uh, from a winner's standpoint, for sure, um, and certainly the U.S. Open. I, I just can't imagine Tory not being on the schedule, but I think now so much depends on what's going to happen with PIF and the Fenway group and whether this deal comes together, because I think 
so much is going to be solved or at least answered once we know what's going on with that. So this, this farmer sponsorship, I don't know whether it becomes moot at some point or any sponsorships become moot uh, in the smaller picture. So I just can't imagine a tournament not being here at Tory. I think the general viewer um, out there, I think would probably put this tournament in their top five um, as tournaments to watch along with Pebble. And, you know, there's so many great tournaments on the West Coast, Pebble, Riviera, um, you know, Phoenix is great for its own reasons. I think people really look forward to the West Coast, and I certainly think Tory's a part of that. I think it'd be a huge blow to the tour if this tournament went away, and I, ju I just can't imagine it. We just had Steve Bukowski on. He was talking about the record rainfalls on Monday. You've played these courses a lot. How do you think that's going to impact play for the tournament this week? Guys, we had unbelievable amounts of rain yesterday. It was, it was Florida-like. Um, I mean, there were records broken all over the county. Um, Tory got well over an inch and a half, I think. Um, they haven't been able to cut the rough. The rough's brutal. You guys played in the media day a couple of weeks ago. It's just, I mean, you, you find balls where literally you can only see the logo. Um, and I worry for the guys. I mean, obviously there are a ton of volunteers here, but I, I worry that the rough is so bad and there's not as many volunteers as at U.S. Open. I worry that we'll have a situation where somebody doesn't find their ball. Um, but other than that, the greens are softer. Um, that's a catch-22 because they should be able to hit the greens better, but I think they'll get marked up with the Poana a lot quicker, torn up. So I don't know if the putting's going to even out. It's just going to play incredibly long. Um, and it was, it was the fourth hardest regular PGA Tour course last year, scoring-wise. And I, I can't imagine it's going to be any easier this week. Well, nobody knows this event or golf in San Diego in general like Todd Leonard. It's great to see you, buddy. I'll see you at the players. We appreciate the time. Have a great week. See you guys. Thanks so much. All right, folks, coming up, we've got a pro football Hall of Famer in the house. Our friend and Super Bowl champ, Rondé Barber, joins with news about a special new event. You won't want to miss it. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand back on golf today was the Valspar chair. Yeah, he could cover wide receivers as well. He could cover, run, tackle, great hands, won a Super Bowl. He's a twin, by the way, brothers Tiki. And yes, there's the bust and there's the man. Rondé Barber loves himself some golf as well. 
It really does. And Damon, we've got some exciting news to bring to you on this Tuesday. Today in the Hallowed Hall, Pro Football Hall of Fame, PGA Tour champions, and James Hardy, a leader in North American home building products, unveiled an innovative new tournament that will pair legends of golf and football. The inaugural James Hardy Pro Football Hall of Fame Invitational will be hosted March 31 through April 6, starting in 2025 at the Old Course at Broken Sound in Boca Raton, Florida. The tournament will feature a field of 78 PGA Tour champions players and 26 football legends that will compete for a purse of $2.2 million. With additional format details and development, the three-day tournament will be televised on Golf Channel. And I want to welcome in right now the Hall of Famers, Rondé Barber and Bernard Langer. Rondé, I'll start with you. We've talked about how much you are passionate about the game of golf. Why is this tournament important to you? Uh, well, for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, I'm very close with our, our our management company that runs the Vals Bar in Tampa, as you guys know, ProLink Sports. And they're, they're going to be part of this tournament as well. Uh, they were the ones that you know, really brought this together with James Hardy and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jim Porter, the president of Pro Football Hall of Fame, thought this was a great idea. Uh, it, it marries very well with what uh, James Hardy does in their platform uh, and with what the Pro Football Hall of Fame is trying to do in theirs. And then can't go wrong, you know, matching us up with the legends of one <laughs> one game uh, to uh, try to uh, try to have some fun and help impact the community. So to me, it's a no-brainer. I think that the 26 Hall of Famers or pro football legends that are going to be involved with this are going to have a great, great time down in uh, down in South Florida in, in, in a year's time. Bernard, what are you most looking forward to in this collaboration with some of the best players to ever do it in a different sport? Well, first of all, it's very exciting to have a tournament back in Boca Raton and uh, rub shoulders with these guys, uh, <laughs> Hall of Famers, and uh, the sport that all of us watch. It's going to be very exciting, and uh, we have we have a lot of things in common. Even though the game of golf and and football probably doesn't have that much in common uh, <laughs> overall, but uh, we're going to have some great stories and and a good old time hitting that little white ball around. Rondé, of the 26 Hall of Famers that will be in the field, I'm guessing you'll be the best of the group. But when you talk about the competition, <laughs> how do you think this is going to play out? I know we you talked about there will be more details, but how do you envision it? Um, I'm, I won't be the best. I promise you that. I'll, I might be, might be one of the younger ones. Uh, it gives me a little bit of an advantage, but no, I think it's for us. We're going to play two days of golf with, you know, with these champs players and hopefully stay out of their way. You know, I, they, we, we say it's a competition amongst the, 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 the football players here, but reality, we're going to have backup. And uh, I think that's probably the best thing about uh, how this tournament will work. And, when, and, and to be honest with you, it's, it's really just a great community event. The people that come out and watch this event are going to have a great time seeing some gold jackets uh, play golf with, you know, one green jacket and a couple other green jacket legends on the Champs Tour. Uh, it'll be a great, great event for everybody involved. Speaking of jackets, Bernhardt, is it strange seeing Rondé in the jacket? I guess the rules are a little bit different at Augusta National as far as wearing a, a green jacket out in public. Yeah, I want to know why they get to take their jacket home or with them and ours, you know, stays uh, at Augusta. But uh, I don't think that's ever going to change. And I'm sure they have a good reason for it. But he looks good in it, doesn't he? He looks great in it. I'm curious, like, what do, you, what do two legends like you talk about when you get together? Is it like, I only need three hours of sleep. I do 500 push-ups. Like, Bernhard, what do you guys talk about when you get together? Putting. 
<laughs> yeah, we have similar balls in the party. How do we get that ball in the hole? Now we talk we talk about family and kids and uh on on the flight home I'm gonna ask him about his workout ethics because I got I got ways to go. Hey, sixty six years old. I wanna look like that when <laughs> I'm that <laughs> age. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Rondé, we all want to look like Bernard Langer when we're 66 years old. But, but Bernard, you mentioned, uh, you announced a few weeks ago that this will be your last Masters. What brought you to this edition? I mean, what brought you to this decision? You know, the golf course is just too long. That's what it comes down to. I, I love the tournament. I love to compete. And I, and I enjoy a challenge. And uh, it's more than a challenge. <laughs> Lately, you know, I'm hitting so many hybrids and three medals into these par fours. Uh, when the young guys are hitting short irons, uh, it's just almost impossible to be competitive uh, for me at this age. I'm 66, and uh, I decided, I, you know, I don't want to be in the field if I start shooting 80s and just be another number added to the field. Uh, I want to en enjoy being there, and I'm still going to come back, hopefully for many more years, be part of the Part 3 contest, be part of the Champions Dinner, past champions dinner and, and other things that are happening around that wonderful tournament. But uh, I think it's it's time to pack it up as a player. The golf course is just too long for me. Rondé, you know, you love this game of golf. I know you're loving sitting next to Bernhard Langer. I'm curious what golf meant to you as a kid, though, because I bump into Jerry Rice or Marcus Allen. Everybody wants to play golf. How much has it changed from when you grew up where golf fit in your life then versus now? You might not like my answer to this question, because when I was a kid growing up and I'd see all this green grass and, you know, sticks sticking out of holes, I was like, what, what is that waste of space? There's not a football <laughs> field over there. There's not a soccer field over there. There's not a baseball field over there. Uh, I didn't start playing golf till I was uh, out of college. Um, but as I've uh, evolved as a golfer and appreciating the game, um, it, it is it is the probably one of the best recreational um, you know, for us, waste of time. He's making money doing it. But I get to spend a lot of time with my friends. Uh, the camaraderie that, that's built around it is, is is paramount to my enjoyment. I get to play with my kids uh, and my friends' kids. Um, that, that's that's where golf is for me. Uh, yes, I'm a competitor. You know, like like all great athletes, we, we stay competitive. Uh, and golf right now gives me the uh, the vehicle to do that. So I'm uh, I look forward to getting out every single week, and I can't wait for this event to come around. Uh, at the end of March next year in early uh, April. Now, Bernard, you kind of joked and said you'd like to learn some stuff from Rondé, but I would be curious, when you have two Hall of Famers from different sports, but two Hall of Famers who have competed at the games at the highest level, what's the conversation like? What do you guys talk about? Well, I think there's so many commonalities. Uh, we talked about it at the press conference. You know, what does it take to become a Hall of Famer, to become the best in your field or one of the best. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things. It's purely it's dedication. It's obviously the, the team around you, the people that have an influence on you. But it, it's really work ethic. It's trying to be brutally honest with yourself and say, hey, I'm, I'm just not good enough here. I need to improve that part of my game, certainly in golf. Uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like in in football, but I guess you can always be stronger and faster and uh, maybe have a better diet or a different workout uh, or whatever it may may take. And it's and golf, especially uh, it's like two different games. The the putting and hitting the ball far 
it seems like two different games. You know, one you need to be fast and strong. The other one you got to have fine motor skills. Uh, you got to be able to perform under pressure, under uh, you know, live TV with thousands of people watching and all that kind of stuff. So we we could sit together for a week and talk about it. There's so many common things and and maybe some that are not so common. Both of you have performed at the highest level under the most stressful situations. I want to ask each of you about Nick Dunlap, a 20-year-old amateur who is now a winner yeah. on the PGA Tour. Rhonda, I'll start with you. Just as someone coming from a different sport, how much did you follow it, and what did you think about what he accomplished? So I was playing an event over at uh, over at the Pelican in Bel Air this weekend, and uh, every time we came in for a break or whatnot to get out of the cold, it was actually cold in Florida, y'all, uh, uh, this weekend, <laughs> um, we turned on the TV, and all we were seeing was nines of 30 he was six under on every on every single every single nine holes and uh it was amazing um obviously there's only been a handful maybe a couple that have actually won as amateurs and we were all rooting for him i mean these stories are what drives us to golf um obviously there's great players out there you know it's well established uh but when a guy like this can come and make this kind of impact i mean what is he a 20 year old junior at alabama and he's a winner on the PGA Tour. That is spectacular for the sport, uh, and I think all athletes from all you know all all different realms can appreciate what he has done uh, as a young man. And uh, happy for him. It's great, Bernhard. What do you think? Yeah, it's phenomenal to be uh, you know winning a PGA Tour event as an amateur at that age, and uh, it's just fantastic. And I was able to watch a lot also. Life on TV, I was still in Hawaii where we played uh, the Mitsubishi Electric Championship last week. And uh, it, I, it was nerve-wracking coming down. It had to be for him. And the way he stayed so calm and so focused was just unheard of. I mean, how often does this happen? Once every 100 years, uh, if that. So it, it's incredible. It seems to me that these young guys coming out of college are so much better prepared nowadays than they were even... 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, they really seem to, you know, know what they're doing when they come out. They don't need another two, three, four, five years to develop. They're all, they're ready. They're coming out and they're ready to compete against the best in the world. And uh, my hat's off to him. Uh, we're all interested. Is he going to turn pro or not? Uh, will he finish his college career? Whatever he's going to do. I think this young man will be very successful no matter what. Big story in our game. Also a big story, the James Hardy Pro Football Invitational Hall of Famers next year. Boca Raton. Bernhard loves it down there. Broken sound. Looking forward to it. Rondé and Bernhard, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you both.